edition for the Wise Up TX podcast. This is your host, Ezra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise Up TX is my platform to inform the South Asian community about Texas and national politics. You can find us on all forms of social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can also check out our website, www.wiseuptx.com. Moreover, you can check out our podcasts, which are on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and last but not least, they are played on Radio Azad on Monday mornings on Coffee Mornings with Aisha. Remember everyone, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. All right, so it's been a pretty tumultuous week in the land of politics, as usual, since Trump has been elected. Um, Today's topic is, you know, we're going to kind of cover, like, the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, You know, he has been confirmed. He is now a Supreme Court justice. Um, But I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, I've attended a couple of political festivals. Yes, they exist. Um, I attended the Texas Tribune Festival, which was last weekend. Um, which was in Austin, and it really covers like not only national politics, but what's happening on the state level as well. I highly recommend um, for those of you that are very interested in politics to attend that one. There is the Atlantic Festival, which is run you know by the Atlantic, which is a news publication um, that was here up in D.C., not that I've moved here. And last but not least, um, there is a group of... Um, founded by Indian Americans called Impact, and they are really trying to motivate the Indian American community to get out and vote. So three really big um, events that I attended and have plenty of stuff to share with y'all, but I kind of wanted to give y'all an overview of what some other politicians and policy experts were stating about, you know, the Kavanaugh hearings, uh, how they see 2016 of November playing out, what they see in 2020. Um, But to give you a broad overview, across the board, all three of these events really focused in on what was happening with the Kavanaugh hearings, kind of the state of uh, current day politics, and of course, women. Um, I think women have come into the spotlight, and women in politics, and, you know, the situations that they've occurred when um, trying to report being raped or being assaulted, and what are the implications of of them coming forward, of them, you know, hiding behind it, um, of the anger, the pain that is all behind that. So um, I would say those were the three main things that were really discussed across the board in all of these. And I just kind of want to give you all a broad overview of that. Um, Before I delve into that, I just want to remind everyone the deadline to register to vote is October 9th. So that's literally tomorrow, right? So I hope you all are registered. And if you are not, remember, it can be postmarked by October 9th. So as long as you send it out by Tuesday, um, go to votetexas.gov. Please don't use other sites. I highly recommend for you to use the votetexas.gov site. Um, And you will have to print out the application, fill it out, um, sign and date it, and and send it off. So please, if you have not registered to vote, please do so. This is an incredibly consequential election um, that we our community really needs to get out and vote so that we can have a seat at the table. Others, we're letting others decide um, policy issues and other decisions and how they want to spend our money for us. And as they see, as we all know how we like to hold on to our money tight and how we want to spend it. And and I'm, I'm not understanding why they see's wouldn't care about how their tax dollars are being spent. So let's get out and vote. All right. So Kavanaugh has been confirmed, right? We know that. Um, I was up at the Supreme Court yesterday, um, kind of documenting, have some live video footage on uh, the Facebook page of how people were reacting to the Kavanaugh hearings. There was a huge crowd, even though President Trump tweeted out that 
you know, they were paid and that there weren't that many people there. I would say there's, there were quite hundreds of people there and there was a lot of anger, a lot of resentment. There were definitely people there that were in support of Kavanaugh that, you know, had t-shirts and memorabilia. And I think regardless of how you feel about the situation, I think it is really important to note, um, even though you had people from opposing sides, I didn't really see any violence. Um, people were there, you know, showcasing how they felt their anger or their happiness. And, um, and people were, for the most part, pretty civil towards each other. All right, but going on to kind of what's, you know, been talked about, about Kavanaugh, I'll start with the Trip Fest, um, which was in Austin. And you could tell from both Democrats and Republicans alike that many were very concerned about the anger that Kavanaugh showed during his testimony after um, Dr. Ford had testified. And many believed that he did not seem fit for the judicial temp uh, temperament, that he sounded entitled. And um, there were also those that felt that Dr. Ford was a pawn between Republicans and Democrats, um, that Democrats had also used her, um, had leaked out her name from the letter, um, you know, didn't really um, give the information to Republicans in advance and, um, and you know, created this whole hoopla for her to testify in order, you know, to get some, I guess, momentum uh, for the election. And so this all kind of, you know, culminated into a women's only panel that also discussed how they felt and it was preceded, um, attended by, you know, Wendy Davis and Representative Sinfonia Thompson, and many of them didn't seem very shocked um, about the current situation, uh, especially when, you know, they've seen, they've tried to pass legislation for equal pay for women in Texas, and it was vetoed by, at that time, Governor Rick Perry. Um, they also made statements that, you know, when Viagra came out on the market, it was automatically covered by insurance, but they had to fight really hard to get contraceptives to be covered by insurance. Um, so they were talking about the amount of sexism that's always been at play. So, you know, to an extent, they're kind of cynical. But you had Wendy Davis talk about how, you know, it's been a year since the Me Too movement and, you know, people still didn't believe Dr. Ford in her testimony. And she, she, sa she said that she was raging at that moment. Um, some other political analysts were talking about how, you know, if Kavanaugh had not been confirmed, I mean, this was prior to his confirmation when all these hearing, uh, you know, panels were happening, but that there would have been a vacant Supreme Court seat. And that if that was the case, um, just as it was when, you know, Merrick Garland was not, um, confirmed, there was a vacant Supreme Court seat when Trump was elected, that many conservatives may, you know, again, would have plugged you know, held their noses and gone and voted um, Republican because of that situation, because they wanted to make sure that the court became more conservative because of the Roe versus Wade. Many conservatives want for that to be overturned. Um, so that didn't play out. And so it will be interesting to see if Republicans um, who are also angry at the way things played out for Kavanaugh will really show up to the polls because it seems like Democrats are really fired up right now. Um, and now I'm going to kind of pivot over to the Atlantic Fest, so one of which was held in D.C. And so one of the really interesting panels was with Senator Jeff Flake and Senator Coons, um, who's a Democrat. But we've all heard of Jeff Flake, how he had, um, you know, asked for the investigation of Kavanaugh and then ended up voting yes um, for Kavanaugh. And, you know, people were upset on both sides about that. But it seemed that they both, uh, Senator Flake and Coons, we're very concerned about Kavanaugh's temperament, like I had mentioned before, that his anger that had shown. And of course, Kavanaugh and the Wall Street Journal uh, published an op-ed 
about his temperament and essentially trying to explain why and how he came off that way. So maybe that was sufficient enough for Senator Flake for him to change his vote to yes. Um, I guess we'll never really find out about that. You also had Supreme Court Justice Breyer, who is currently on the Supreme Court, come in and pretty much say that he wanted to discuss nothing about the whole Kavanaugh situation. So, um, yeah, that was that was interesting. I Slightly disappointing, but expected, because you don't want Supreme Court justices to be so um, partisan, um, as Kavanaugh did show in his... Uh, um, in his rebuttal at that hearing against Dr. Ford. Um, and then for the Atlantic Fest, Hillary Clinton also came on stage and, you know, she also had her concerns about Kavanaugh and she also went after Trump. You know, she, she was talking about how his presidency has been very Islamophobic, homophobic, um, racist, and, you know, he's kind of tied his bags into that. She wouldn't outwardly say that he's racist, but she's saying that he is surrounding himself with people like that. And those are the people that he has been trying to um, really cater to. So nothing really new with regards to her statements um, with the hoopla that's happening in D.C., but she is stressing the importance for everyone to vote. Um Another thing that I thought was interesting was, you know, Chris Christie, who had run for the Republican nominee for president um, and was a for former governor of New Jersey, really had some interesting political um, analysis on things. You know, um, he also stated, you know, that many Democrats were upset with the whole Merrick Garland situation. And then that's why they were doing all this stuff with Kavanaugh. And he stated that, well, even before Merrick Garland, Senator Harry Reid um at that time under the Obama administration had kind of pushed for getting rid of the filibuster against judges. And, um, and so he was like, that made many Republicans upset. And, um, and many people had stated that when Harry Reid pushed for it, that it was going to kind of be a snowball effect of the really, of the way the partisanship would happen for Supreme Court justices. Um, I thought that was really interesting because I haven't heard a lot about that situation being a causal effect for what happened with Merrick Garland. I'm curious if there's other news outlets that are covering that um, analysis. Um, you know, with regards to Donald Trump and this upcoming election in 2020, you know, he, he stated some things like about Trump. He's like, you know, you know, we shouldn't be really shocked at the way that he's been talking and doing things like we all knew who he was. He he showed who he was during the, elect, uh, you know, the campaign time. So he's like, at the end of the day, a lot of American people voted him in. And while people may not like his tweets, they're really liking his policies. And I think that's a really important thing to note because I actually CNN the other day came out with an article about how President Trump is winning. The current makeup of the Supreme Court is the most conservative it's been in a very long time. The economy's numbers are up and high. Um, you know, he has implemented a lot of the campaign promises he's made. So it seems like he's on pretty solid ground when it comes to his base and they're not really looking like they're going to go anywhere. Um, furthermore, uh, Chris Christie talked about, um, you know, if the Democrats are able to flip the house or the Senate or both, um, for this upcoming November election, then Trump has 
a lot of ammunition for 2020. Um, he really apparently does well when he has an enemy, and that's what he's going to harp on in his campaign that, oh, yeah, look at these Democrats. They want all these crazy liberal things and give things out for free, and that's how he's really going to ride, uh, you know, really get his base excited and get them out to vote. Um, so Chris Christie stated that he thinks for Democrats who are considering a run for presidency that they can't come from Washington because in essence, um, a lot of Americans don't like the way politics are happening in, um, Washington. He thinks that they should come from somewhere outside of Washington, um, to show that, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a DC outsider, but I'm going to go in to help you now. Let's take this into account that Chris Christie is not from Washington. He was a governor and he's never really been involved in DC as a politician, um, like on the house or the Senate. So I don't know if he's saying that, you know, because that's how he thinks as he would be a formidable opponent for Trump, but who knows? And, uh, last but not least, he did state that you really can't be outrageous like president Trump, like it's not even worth trying. And he kind of referenced that situation with Marco Rubio when he was running for president. And he kind of talked about Trump's small hands and he just looked very um, laughable, let's say. Whereas, you know, Donald Trump is able to pull these types of statements off and kind of, you know, not really face the implications of his statements, which I think is quite true. Don't know why. I think it's a phenomenon that we'll never understand, but very, very true. All right, I'm going to pivot over to kind of the last um, um, panel I really went to, which was about, which was from Impact, and it was about South Asian women and that work in D.C. So, you know, you had um, Seema Nanda, who's now the president of the, the Democratic Party. Um, you have Kamala Harris, who's a senator from California. She's half Indian, half African-American. And Pramila Jayapal, uh, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, who is from the state of Washington. And there were several other um, South Asian females in attendance uh, or on the panel, but these are the three that I would like to focus on for today. And, um, you know, they're, they were really talking about um, how they were in support of Dr. Ford and that they were very upset with how things are going. Um, I thought they were very motivational in the sense for, you know, for South Asian women is... Um, a lot of times when you are in corporate America or other places of work, you're often the only colored person or the only South Asian person there. And they were very motiva motivational in the sense that, oh yeah, you know, now, you know, we're starting to have a seat at the table. So now we can talk about things that are impacting us. And, you know, we need to have our chins up and heads high when we go into these meetings because there are more and more of us coming into um, these types of jobs and these types of roles. And, um, one thing that's really, I think, exciting is Congresswoman Jayapal is, um, has a bill that she's filed about making sure that South Asians are more informed about heart disease because maybe many of you may know or may not know that heart disease is um, very prevalent in the South Asian community and very much not... Um, you know, talked about, not many people don't go to the doctors to get things checked out. And so Congresswoman Jayapal wants to make sure the South Asian community becomes more educated about these um, heart issues and that they take better care of themselves, which I think is very exciting. Um, 
But overall, that was a really great motivational panel. It's always nice to see someone of our community um, in these leadership roles to give us some motivation that, yes, maybe one day some of us can also run for office and be in their shoes as well. And it would be easier for us than it is currently for them who are paving the way for us. All right, folks. Well, I hope you all enjoyed kind of this overview of all the policies and politics that have been talk, being talked about, you know, for South Asian women um, with the Kavanaugh hearings and his confirmation about the upcoming election for 2018. It is going to be exceptionally close, um, without a doubt, from my own perspective. I think you're going to have people wanting to see, I mean, from both sides. And, you know, at the end of the day, with regards to the U.S. Senate race for Texas, like I saw Beto O'Rourke speak again. I've seen him several times and, of course, I have an interview with him. So hope you all will check that out, although it was from a year ago. But he has definitely um, improved his grasp on policies from when I spoke with him a year ago and seeing him speak um, at the trip fest and really understands um you know, what those policies are and have a better understanding of the details and the implications of certain policies. So I think that's kind of exciting to see. Um, but I think he has a huge uphill battle ahead of him. I mean, you saw the Democratic Republican turnout for the primaries. Republicans had a million more votes, so he'd have to overcome that and even more who showed up for election day because, you know, you have way more people to show up. So I really hope you all are registering to vote because, again, every single vote matters in this election. And again, um, you're not just going to be voting for him. You'll be voting for statewide um, positions, which is your governor, lieutenant governor, and all across the board. Of course, we have more interviews coming up. Last week, we had that interview with Mike Collier, who's running for lieutenant governor against Dan Patrick. I hope you heard it. If you haven't, check it out. We have even more interviews coming up, so I hope you all will stay tuned and get ready to wise up. And we will be having lots of information posted up on our voter info page um, as it gets closer to early voting. So stay tuned. We will definitely have more information and graphics and everything that you can think of to make sure you all are covered and wised up for um, going to the polls in November. All right, folks, that's our segment for today. Uh, remember, everyone, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's get out the vote. Until next time. <laughs>